everyone, it's David James Young here for another week of all my friends who are in bar bands. I'm recording this in the shower, can you tell? I'm literally showering right now as I'm recording this. Why? Because I'm a busy man and I like to live dangerously. I want to give a big thanks to everyone that has uh, left some kind words, uh, any tweets, messages, etc. about the episodes we've put up so far. Very, very much appreciated. Really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. This week we are chatting to the boys from The Dirty Nil. The Dirty Nil are from Hamilton in Canada and recently they made the trek out to Australia to perform here for the very first time, supporting Alexis on Fire as well as appearing at the Unify Festival which also featured our previous guests, Jason from Let Live and Andy from Every Time I Die. It was a really, really fun chat. We uh, hooked up thanks to a friend of the show, Steve from Pop. Uh, who got me onto them and made sure that we had a chat and it went really well. They were really, really nice dudes. Of course they were. They were Canadian. And yeah, really, really happy with how this episode turned out. So I'm very excited to share it with you today. I'm going to keep this short and sweet because we only have so much time in the world and I have to wash my hair. Uh, this is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast. A couple of ways that you can support include rate, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Five stars would be ace. It helps us get it out to the right people. You can also subscribe uh, on iTunes, on Stitcher, uh, anywhere that you download podcasts, any apps that you may use. We are there. Just search for bar bands and there will be. Uh, If you have a couple of extra dollars and you would like to support in that way, then I would strongly recommend that you head over to patreon.com slash barbands, where for just $1 a month, literally $1 a month, you can help keep this podcast up and running and help to pay the bills to keep it up and going. All donations are so, so, so very appreciated. Thank you to everyone that has helped out. It means the absolute world. If you would like to be one of those absolute legends, you can head over to patreon.com slash barbands. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash barbands. All right, I'm going to finish this, then I'm going to take care of business, and you, dear listeners, are going to listen to my chat with the Dirty Nil. Hit it. I'm David Jenkong, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I'd like to introduce you to my friends, the Dirty Nil. Hello! Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves. I'm Kyle, I play drums. I am Luke, and I play guitar and sing. It is Wednesday night. We are here at the Horden Pavilion in Sydney. Uh, a massive, massive room in which uh, the wonderful family reunion of Alexis on Fire, it's all happening once again in the year 2017, something I never thought I would be saying, but uh, the Dirty Mill are uh, here along for the ride. It's their uh, very first time here uh, in Australia, and uh, we were just talking off mic about the various experiences of the Australian uh, exposure, you know, the first time. You, you always remember your first, as they say. Yes, <laughs> no, certainly. How, how's it all been going for you guys? 
It's been fantastic. I mean, the this is a. I mean, from a logis- logistical point of view, this is a tour unlike anything we've done before because of the yeah we've we've been flying domestically between most of the shows, which is just something we are not used to. It's very like we're we're just used to kind of getting in a van and going around America for mm. a couple months or renting a Sprinter in Europe and sure. so it's it's a very interesting experience doing it this way. But I mean the the crowds here are just fantastic and I mean as you'd imagine for a tour under these circumstances for Lexus on Fire, the energy in the room, it's it's pretty much ready to go as soon as we even before we get a chance to play. So Yeah, yeah, it's, certainly. Uh, it's very, feel very privileged to be a part of this tour. Yeah, 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 I can imagine. I can imagine. So, uh, how how far back do you go with those guys? Like, have you known them for a while, or were they one of those kind of bands that you guys like listening to in your teens and stuff like that? Both, yeah. yeah. Like we, we like yeah, we listened to them in high school. I think we we ended up opening for them once uh, in 2011. Oh, nice. Uh, at a at a kind of like a university show. Okay. Kind of met them there. They let us hang out. They're really nice guys, and then kind of just run into each other over the course of the years. Uh, Jordan plays drums and Billy Talent right now. Oh, sure, yeah. Tours with them, so kind of just like slowly kind of built a relationship and you know, buds, and we're out here. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I can imagine, like you said, though, having those massive crowds. Those would be some of the biggest shows you guys have played. Yeah, we actually just got off of a tour with uh, Billy Talent in Europe, and those were some pretty big shows too. So it's been a quite a decisive leap forward in the uh, in the opportunity for our band to reach a, a wider audience. So it's uh, it's it's awesome to get to actually do that in a new place for the first time. Yeah, because yeah. we've you know we've done a lot of American tours. We've had no opportunities like this in America, but. Um, yeah, as I said before, we feel incredibly honored to uh, to get for this to be our maiden voyage to uh, to Australia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I was t- I was tipped off to you guys by our previous guest and uh, lifetime friend of the show, Steve from Pup. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The second Good he found that you guys were coming, he was just like, yeah, just like, dude, check these guys out, and uh, very very glad that he did. Uh, mm. um, I was just talking to Mike, and he was talking about how you guys uh, just played some pretty special shows together quite recently. Yeah, we oh, yeah. Pl- we played a show at the Danforth Music Hall. They did three straight nights, and yeah. we had the last one with them. And that was we hadn't played together in a while, so it was, it was an awesome uh, experience just getting to get back up there with them and do it again. Because we we played a lot together a few years ago when both bands were just kind of playing locally mostly. So and then we just kind of went off and you know toured heavily independent of one another mm. and so our paths didn't cross all that often so it's it very special to get to do that again for yeah. sure for sure uh so uh i tend to start these by going back to i guess tracing the initial interest in music specifically where it changed from being something that maybe you were watching on tv or listening to on the radio or something like that to being something that you wanted to do where it came to the point where it's just like Oh, that is awesome! That is something that I want to do. Um, Carl, we'll start with you. Talk about uh, I don't know, like how music kind of factored into into your upbringing and kind of where that point was where you wanted to start playing instruments yourself. Been asked this question question a few times, and I think about it differently every time. Yeah, I kind of reveal new parts about it. So my dad is a is a hardened Pink Floyd strictly only fan. So I listened to a lot of that growing up. Which is funny because Nick Mason is a good drummer, but he's not like an exciting drummer. You're not <laughs> listening to Pink Floyd to listen to Nick Mason play drums. All right, in, in the fifth grade, this guy, we went to school with DJ. Uh, his dad was in a band, and he had all these instruments, so DJ knew how to play them, and he played the drums at this like fifth grade 
assembly thing, and I was like, that's pretty cool. And then once we got into music in school, I was playing saxophone and hated it. And someone said, we need a new percussionist. So I was like, I'll, I'll try it. <laughs> try anything once. Yeah, and I went from there, you know, with like a love of like Led Zeppelin and things like that, and find my own way of what I want to play, how I want to play drums. Sick. Yeah. What about you, man? Well, I can actually, I think, Kyle and I went to, have been going to school together since we were about five years old, but, so I can, I actually cite the exact same spark as Mr., shout out to Mr. DJ McConnell of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, for getting up there when we were ten years old and playing drums in front of the school and bringing nice. that down. And everybody wanted to be a drummer after that. All the, really? all the dudes in our grade, everybody wanted to play drums. Nobody had any concept of playing guitar or anything. So, But I was given my first guitar when I was 12 years old. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, after that, that was uh, that was it. I mean, I've, I've been playing non-stop guitar for 13 years. Mm. The first band that I was really into, I think, had to have been Nickelback. When I was, of course. When I was 11. And then when I was 12, I was like fucking obsessed with Limp Bizkit. Good, good progression. And then when yeah. I was 13, I was all about Good Charlotte and Linkin Park. Now we're talking, yes. And then when I was like 13 and a half, I discovered Nirvana. And that just, you know, once you discover Nirvana... Uh, that's it. That's it. And then it's just, you know, it's a long stream of just like... Similar artists of the era, and then yeah, going totally, back totally. to classic rock, and then so long, Chad Kroger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chad Kroger hating Chad Kroger, but now I have just like a cheeky, somewhat mean spirited love of all things awful in music, and sure. Chad Kroger is not beyond that. So, <laughs> I one of my life goals is to meet Chad Kroger. I really want to, but I I mean when I say I have a mean spirited affection for the man I uh it's it's also somewhat sincere it's it's a funny it's a weird thing like once you go through all the like your teenage years of like trying to decide what's cool and what's not cool and then you just fucking give up when you're like in your early 20s I'd say or, like that's what I did at least and I was just like fuck it like I'm just I'll listen to everything and I can usually find merit in almost anything I used to just hate everything but uh I just I find excitement in pretty much all kinds of music nice, uh, yeah. because you know it's a fucking short life you might as well be open to listening to new things and 100%. You, even if it's terrible there's like there's there's a there's a comedy factor that I get out of music now that I wasn't I just I was too tight and restricted to really appreciate uh, in in my early 20s but, sure so. That's 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 where I am. There's a long rambly response about how I got <laughs> no, into music. No, long and rambly is the way we like it. We yeah. like it. <laughs> so uh, apart from Stephen Zach and from Papa, I just mentioned you guys are the only Canadians that I've had on the podcast. So I'm I'm curious as to like what the the music scene was like for you guys growing up, if indeed there was one. Like, was it were you guys kind of in an era where you had to travel a bit in order to get to shows and stuff like that, or was there local stuff kind of going on? Uh, no, there's always been local stuff in the city of Hamilton. It just took us a while to figure out that it was there. Right, yeah. Because we were living in Dundas, which is like kind of a suburb community outside of the city. So in our mind, like, Hamilton was also painted as, like, a dangerous place. Really? So we go to Toronto, because, like... That's where the, all the big shows would happen. So ah, okay. You don't know about the small shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at the time, we didn't. So the only thing we knew was like going to Air Canada Center and seeing like the who their parents or like whatever big act was coming through. You'd see them at like the Phoenix. But then eventually, once we started to play, 
was like, well, where do we book a show? And we're like, okay, so there's the Casbah in Hamilton, and we started there and made our way in. But like at the time, a lot of music was coming out of like the Welland area, which is south of Hamilton a bit. So yep. like Attack and Black, um, St. Catharines is like where West on Fire comes uh-huh. from yeah, yeah, before yeah. that. Um, and then there was the reason from Burlington, but some of the members were from Hamilton. St. Alvia Cartel was another, they were from Burlington as well, but uh, it was okay. like yeah, yeah, yeah. associated with Hamilton. Uh, bands like Silverstein and stuff like that. Sure, always, yeah, like, yeah. All ages YMCA shows that like we just I missed or didn't go to or had no care for, but at the time. But that was also was all kind of going around the city at that time. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, were you guys in each other's first bands, like very very first bands back in high school, or um, did that kind? Did you kind of meet up a bit later on? Yeah, I mean, I've only been in a band really with Luke. One time I tried to make a band with some people, but we never really got together. Yeah, right. Yeah, I had I had like a couple of bands that were mostly cover bands before uh, we started our band, me and Kyle. But uh, Kyle and I, should I say? <laughs> but um, you know, I I think I think I'd been in one band prior to being a band with Kyle where we had written some original music. Um, I use the term original very loosely. Mm. <laughs> um, but um, I, you know, basically when I was 16, when we were both 16, I just proposed to Kyle that we start a band because mm-hmm. we were the only people that at that point, like, you know, when you're 13 years old, every, well, at least when we were growing up, 13 years old, everybody wanted to play fun guitar. Everyone was playing guitar. School of Rock came out, that movie. And oh, that, sure. This yeah. huge resurgence in classic rock. Everybody's fucking got long hair and, like, wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt, even though all they know is Stairway. And, yeah. And, like, but anyways, <laughs> so, uh, by age 16 or so, that had all really petered out. Like, I mean, people had, you know, just put the Squire Stratocaster kit that they got when they were 14 in the closet, never to be touched again. <laughs> And we were still, you know, and we were very much the opposite. We were, you know, increasing in our interest for music. So yeah, yeah. We were the only two people that we knew of that really wanted to make music and were really, you know, for lack of a better word, I, I feel weird saying we're driven, but mm. we that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to make some music. Um, totally. So that was, I mean, it's it's funny because I, I don't really consider any of the other bands that I was in, like bands because we didn't play for that long we mm. didn't like play that many shows yeah and I never really experienced that kind of like feeling of things are going really well and this is really exciting and fun because we have a riff now I never experienced that before Kyle and I started our band yeah right so uh, do you remember the very first time you ever played live yes mm-hmm. yeah how old were you 12 fucking hell that's a good start where were you was it, it was in the auditorium of Dundas District uh, Middle School. I played Lithium by Nirvana. Sick. Just by yourself? No, I had my, my first band. We were called Twisted Minds. Yes! And we had we had matching shirts that said Twisted Minds. Fucking hell. And I, I used a 10, like a 10-watt amp with like an 8-inch speaker to fill an auditorium. And my prepubescent voice coming through the school's PA... And then uh, a, our bass player uh, had a giant bass amp that he borrowed from his dad. So I can imagine that it just sounded fantastic. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. Carl, can you top that? Uh, I don't... I'm trying to think if it would have been in, like, a band proper, if it would have been when I was playing. Was it at 
Parkside, that time with with uh, like Keaton. In that yeah, thing? was that the first time I played live in a band? No, because we did that show. No, that was before us. That was before. Yeah, so maybe that. That show. was like 2014 or 15. I mean, I played like saxophone stuff in high school bands, but I guess like that would have been the first time I played a show, just like a, a coffee house, and uh, everyone forgot the song. Except for me. Oh no! In the one part, <laughs> we were like covering Californication or something, and then like oh, yeah. the bridge just like went somewhere, and then it was just like, okay, bridge went for a walk, baby, and then everyone was like, <laughs> never came uh, back. Went under the bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just remember it. I remember everyone stopping and not really knowing what to do. My, our fr- we were supposed to do like Daisy and Fuse, and my one friend had like a violin bow to do. Those parts, yeah, like pissed because someone took it. Oh no! I, was like, I don't care, dude. He had stolen it anyway. Yeah. So, two wrongs don't make a right. People. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> so all I'm saying is limit your sympathy towards that individual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic! So was there stuff going on like before the Dirty Nails started in earnest? Like, were you guys playing with other people before that kind of kicked off? No, not really. I mean, as I said, like, I was playing in a band that had played a couple, what, uh, very similar shows to what Kyle just mentioned, like yeah. coffee houses, but nothing, right. in, no independent bookings, no, like, let's go play a real show. Let's mm. go, let's go to Hamilton. Hamilton seemed like another planet. Yeah. It's yeah. funny, and it's it's literally 10 minute, like a 10-minute drive from Dundas. But it just seemed, you know, we didn't have our licenses. Uh, sure. and Or maybe Kyle did, I can't remember. But either way, like, it, we just had no, we had no familiar geography there. We had no place to start. We didn't know anything, you know, as a band. from. We live in a town that I can, you know, I've, I've likened it many times, but I, I, I can't get away from this comparison. It is like the Shire from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right. So it's just... We, it's a very isolated little bubble, as I'm sure many small towns are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It actually, it, it's it's funny to me, and it's hard for me to remember how much impetus it required for us to break out of like the stratosphere of Dundas into Hamilton and other markets. Yeah, sure, it sure. required. It was. It's strange to think of now because we're sitting in Australia. Yeah. Couldn't <laughs> couldn't get further from from our hometown unless we we're in space. Yeah. So. <laughs> But back then, this uh, Hamilton was our Australia. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, what is the first Dirty Nil show? Where does that kind of start? At church. <clears throat> At church? Yeah. This will be good. Higher power, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A mission from God. Yeah. No, we just played uh, our friend's band. They would do a lot of covers. They're, they would always book these. They were awesome, though. Yeah, they were great. They were great. Negative Impulse. They would always put um, little shows on at the St. James Church in Dundas. Mm-hmm. So that was the first show we played, and our friend Jordan Sanoski just played bass with us because I don't know. Luke and I were just playing, and just like you would just want to play. I don't know. And then, so we played that was his only show in the band. No, we played. Also, we played Thirty Hour Famine with him. Oh right, but I think those are the only two shows. Okay, so those are the two shows. Two shows. But that was fun. That was a good show. Our our earlier like when we first started, mm. we played like so fucking loud, like so loud. I had just gotten my first hundred watt Marshall amp, like Ooh, a Marshall amp. Look out! And I, it was a long time before I actually bought a tuner, but it was just like Les Paul, Big Muff, giant Marshall, and just very low confidence. Yeah. But like, let's just crank it and see what happens. Yeah. Um, 
and that's pretty much what we did for a while. Like we, uh, you know, I, it took me a while to actually enjoy singing. Um, so our early, our earlier compositions were uh, lengthy, kind of drawn out tunes with many different movements and. Uh, Perfect. It was fucking awful. Like it was just like it was just garbage. But I mean, like it was. I'm very proud of the garbage that we produced in our previous years. Of yes. course. I think the first EP is like six songs, and three or four of those songs are like four and a half five minutes. minutes long. Five minutes. Shit. Long. Yeah. For us, that's long because all yeah. our songs are like under three minutes. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we write like when we have a song that's over three minutes now I'm like does it need to be like yeah, yeah. I, I immediately am very suspicious of anything over three minutes <laughs> I'm enough. suspicious of anything over two and a half minutes to be honest <laughs> <laughs> 2.45 yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I don't know do we need that second chorus yeah, I mean exactly. come on <laughs> yeah exactly do we really need a chorus at all uh, exactly exactly let's just get to the guitar solo lean and mean baby <laughs> exactly perfect once the band kind of kicked off an Ernest, was there more of an impetus to, I don't know, start touring, like, further out in, in Canada? Like, were there uh, kind of more opportunities and stuff like that, or were you just kind of sticking to your immediate area at that point? Uh, we, we were sticking to our immediate area at that point. Uh, university got in the way oh, of any of lofting touring goals, touring goals for a while, because we weren't sure what was going on, so we were all just like, let's go to school, and we'll figure it out. And then, uh, eventually stop going <laughs> yeah so we didn't really well did it finish or did you just uh, yeah yeah I just, I, I just finished my degree last month oh congratulations yeah, yeah. yeah. what was I'm that in a psychology oh there you go a 17 year old decided I was going to be a psychologist <laughs> I just uh, there we are Finished it. Twenty-six <laughs> years old yeah I mean like we we were still playing when we were in university, but I mean, we kind of, we were, we, we were playing shows and playing out of town shows, but it was just a little bit, it just, you know, both things suffered, but we didn't really like, you know, we didn't know what to do with music. We didn't have really anybody, we didn't have a manager or anything like that. And we were both like, we, we had low ambition to be honest with you. Like we were satisfied with just playing shows. We didn't know how to get, make it bigger. And we had friends and kind of bigger bands. We slowly started, you know, tr- clawing our way up the hill through, you know, just a, it, it required a tremendous amount of effort to actually like begin doing things with the band and especially like doing tours. And we did our first like real tour was in 2009 to, uh, we went out east and it was a two week tour. Yeah, right. And we played. Five shows or four shows. Yes. It was like, a garbage, like yeah. the funniest tour ever. So half vacation, half vacation, half <laughs> tour. But it was the first one. It was, yeah. it was the uh, because it was our first. It was our worst. But we <laughs> things steadily improved from there on out. Yeah. And then we first really started going to America at the end of 2013. And then we basically spent 2014, 2015, and 2016 just like many, many, many trips around America. Many different bands, but now Europe and here as well. Yeah, we did. We did Europe three times last year, and I'm oh, sure wow. we'll do the same this year too. Yeah, awesome. Uh, what kind of bands were you playing with? Like, uh, was that just uh, people you were kind of contacting out of the blue, or did you kind of make friends like outside of the scene and stuff like that? How did kind of yeah, those shows kind of come about? For like Germany, for example, we had a promoter like really interested in us, so he just like booked shows for us and was You're like. Right. First one we did was this Finnish rock band. 
called Heart Action, so it was very small. Um, poorly attended, but fun. Those guys are nice, and it's a good time. And then the next one, we did a few shows with that band, Muncie Girls. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what, what they're from. In in the UK, but I yeah. can't remember. Yeah, so we did a few shows with them, and some festivals, and then just some small tours around the UK with some other bands, and then the Billy Talent tour was after one. Yeah. After that one. Yeah. Nice. Uh, have you, like, I guess through that kind of touring, as uh, have you noticed that, I don't know, that there has been kind of a change? Like, the more that you kind of come back to places, the more, you know, people remember you guys and, you know, more people will come out and stuff like that. Have you noticed that kind of incremental change over yeah, the definitely, touring? definitely. Uh, in Europe, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty good times. Like, people actually really, really care about music there. Not that people don't anywhere. Sure. But it's like, there's less of a, there's less of a, they're not fickle about it. They're mm. like, I love the rock music. There's, I'm going to go see it at a rock band kind of thing. Not like, well, they're not, they didn't put out that cool single, that new song I didn't like, so I'm just not going to see them or listen to them anymore. Yeah. Kind of thing <laughs> that the States seems to have. Yeah, right. Has it been more difficult to kind of break in in terms of the U.S.? Like you said, you know, like getting, you know, an opportunity here, but, you know, not necessarily one in the States. Is that still something you guys are kind of working on? or is Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll, sure. we'll be working on America forever. But, I mean, America, <laughs> America, you, you can just engage with band guys forever about how hard America is and a lot of people think it's just hard for Canadian bands but I think it's I think it's hard for any band even American bands there's just there's a lot of ground to cover and there's also a million fucking bands there like there's There's a million there's so much noise like there's so much it's hard to get a clear signal through and actually really rally people to your show and we certainly have strongholds all across America where we can do very well for ourselves but um, I mean as a whole you just feel it's it's an ocean, you know. It's a massive, massive country, and there's a lot of parts in the middle that are just really hard to really get going. You know, mm. but the coasts are always great for us, and across yeah. the top of the Midwest, and um, yeah, we Texas is awesome. Mm. But, uh, I mean, uh, America is a challenging nation to uh, to do, but it's also been one of the, the funnest places to do also we had some some of the best times in my life have just been going around in America in a van um, yeah and just experiencing life there awesome awesome uh, like 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 you just said you know there is kind of a band on every corner especially you know within North America like is that something that's kind of uh, influence, I don't know, maybe the way you guys play or the way you guys perform, you know, being like, okay, well, like, we're on a bit, we're on a bit with like three other bands, you know, what can we do to kind of stand out and make sure that people remember us, you know what I mean? I mean, we certainly have just kind of always, like, there's, it's maybe the subconscious kind of thing like that. We've never really had much of like a conscious thing mm. in terms of like, but there's, I think in all avenues of human endeavors, when you're, when you're you know, with your peers, there's a friendly rivalry at the very least. Like, sure, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is a, it's a creative enterprise, but it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's part business too, but it's fun. It's, it's never mean spirited. It's, but it's just, we have always idealized big, uh, flashy, massive rock and roll bands like The Who, but also things 
like the butthole surfers. Oh, come on, man. just just to- we we are fans of a fucking show. I don't yeah. want to see like there's some bands that I'm like I want to go pay and see that band just stand there perfectly still and not to, like there's some bands like that. Yeah, yeah. But sure. our band has never had any. We from the very beginning always wanted to be big in every mm-hmm. sense in terms of our presentation, yeah. sound, visual, smell. <laughs> Most important. I love a big smelling band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take it with a farm band. Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Just started the new year and obviously kicking it off in a pretty amazing way, you know, getting to tour with such a great band in, you know, like a completely different part of the world. Um, do you guys have any uh, further plans uh, for, for this year? The, is there a new record on the way? Like, you're going to kind of keep up the touring cycle and stuff like that. What's kind of the game plan? It's yes to all of the above. Oh, yeah. that's what I like we to hear. We have lots yeah. of music coming out, and we have just non-stop touring. So, uh, we're at, at, just after this, we're going through Canada with Billy Talent. Oh, fantastic. And then we're going back to the, to the UK um, and Germany. We don't have our plans ironed out for right after that, but... Will be uh, there will be plans. Like, will I, can, be. I, can, I can assure you, we'll be in a van somewhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> summer festivals, things like that. How did the hookup with the the talent guys come about? Uh, good question. Uh, I've heard that Ben had been a fan of the band. Oh, cool. And then, um, then you know, through our agent, we got offered the. I mean, we got submitted for the tour, and then they, they picked us, so it was good. And then we were all playing at Amnesia Rock Fest, and mm-hmm. they came and said, hey, try to help Luke fix his guitar. What happened? Oh, I uh, I bought a 1975 Lost Paul Custom, sitting on a couch right there, uh-huh. my favorite guitar. And a week after I got it, it fell off the stand. Oh, no! It sucked at the time, but they're, uh, they're, they're tools, but they're beautiful tools. Everything I own wilts. So <laughs> it's it's not it's it's not meant to be babied. I mean, I, I fucked up, but uh, I uh, but I you got a second chance. I, I I I wiped my tear, my single tear, and chugged a beer, and uh, onward and upward. That's a that's a great life motto. I'm into that. <laughs> uh, have there been any other guitar tragedies? Oh, fuck. I've smashed so many guitars. I've also split my head open with a guitar. Fuck! Yeah. How'd you manage that? It's a good question. There's a video of it on Instagram. Someone <laughs> can't caught it. But I was I was just kind of trying to... kind of. It was going over my head, and I was trying to kind of just like get rid of it really quickly. I smashed the same guitars a few times and just glued them back together and then smashed them again. It's fun. But... Uh, but the uh, that one, yeah, it, it kind of. I think it like the strap button got me in the head, and I didn't. I, it just felt like a just a like a like a, if a fist hitting your head, like not yeah. like, not like the hardest punch you've ever heard, but like yeah. it felt, but just like a, a solid walk, like a solid <laughs> whack to the yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. And then I was standing there, and I, I used really thin leather guitar straps, and I, I remember looking down at my guitar strap, and I saw a fleck of blood on this super thin strap, and I'm like. If there's blood there, then there's a lot of blood somewhere else. And then I, I was sweating, and then I went like this, and my hand was just covered oh. in blood. So I was just bleeding heavily. But it made the show better. George was there that night. He Is that right? And uh, yeah. dead tired. So. Fucking hell. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> if you ain't bleeding, you ain't trying. So. <laughs> 
Oh, that's an incredible sentiment to go out on. Uh, so uh, we'll wrap it up here. But before we do that, I ask this of all my guests. Now, Dirty Nil, it is your turn. I want to know about the best and worst shows that you have ever played. Best and worst. For a worst show, one of mine is when we played uh, our first show in Salt Lake City, Utah. It was, uh-huh. a, mat- it was a matinee. We it's got birthday. Paid. It was Luke's birthday. Didn't make the show bad. But I wish that we got paid ten bucks, and then, then ten no bucks. Cool. We had to sign like this thing. It was weird. We just signed something for ten bucks. But then we went to a, a hotel and got really drunk for Luke's birthday. So it was that. Drunk life. <laughs> Least favorite show for me was when I was seventeen playing in a band, and with with our other friends, we were kind of just like a strokesy rip off band. But we oh, played this show. It was one of the, you know, when you fucking fall on your face, you learn the most, you know, dramatic and important lessons in your life. But that was one of them. And I mean, we played this, like, fundraiser at this, like, some student bar. Mm-hmm. And the room was packed full of people. And they were all kind of sitting at tables, like, drinking. And I was like, this is going to be the best. They're going to go crazy. And we started, and it was like we... It was like it being in a dream. Like, they, no, it was like nobody could hear what we were doing because they were hated us so much that they were just like looking down at their drinks. Nobody, not a single person in the room gave a fuck. It was crazy. Like, wow. And we were just like trying and nobody would, and it was just a lesson. It was just like, it was just, it, it was a don't count your chickens before you hatch kind of thing. And, and it all at the same time, whenever you do get an enthusiastic crowd, fucking be thankful for it and, and enjoy it um, because, you know, it's not always the case. I mean, Granted, it's we don't really run into the same problems as much anymore because mm. um, we're lucky enough to have a little bit of uh, awareness about the band, so there's, sure. there's inherent enthusiasm because of that. But um, you know, that was probably that stands out as because it was my first like real face fall as, uh, as a musician. Yes, yes. So it was just like that one really stands out for me. Yeah, for sure. But we've done a ton of dog shit shows. Yeah, America. we could list them. A ton of dog Forever. shit shows. <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. Best show? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hey! No, Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma was... No, no, best show uh, for me probably was Riot Fest in Toronto. Oh, nice. Uh, what year was that? 2015. 15, yeah. Best show for me, I think, was maybe Riot Fest mm. in... Chicago uh, in September last year Um, that was fucking amazing what was it about those those shows in particular for you guys well in Chicago we had a lot of local press kind of hyping us for a while um, there which was just an awesome thing to really have it's just it and and when we walked out on our, our stage there was just a ton of people there and uh, I felt very uh, very satisfied with the performance that we delivered and people were it was just fucking awesome like it was we had, we had had great shows in Chicago before then but to like to play outside and have all those people there for you it was, it was just a very special thing we've played much bigger shows than that but that feeling of accomplishment in a, in a country that we've been you know really really expending a lot of effort and energy on and, and having just a breaking moment there like a real breakthrough that was a very rewarding and satisfying experience and then we saw the fucking misfits after that oh so. fuck yeah uh, that was a that's uh, a bucket list check yeah. out there you go <laughs> can't say no to that the uh, Australian tour edition of the high power record is out now so if you hadn't had a chance to check that out you can do that uh, gentlemen is there anything you would like to plug before we uh, move on out of here Smoke, meth, and hail Satan, kids. Woo!
Ah, oh, that's that's what the kids need. That is what the kids need. Gentlemen, thank you so so much for your time. It's been thank awesome. you very much. Oh, thank thank you very appreciate much. it. I'm David James Young, and all my friends and partners. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.